0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of Invest Talk. It is August 22nd, 2018. And as I said the last few days, summer is sailing by faster than many of us might like to admit. But it's not over yet, not just yet. So enjoy what you can, be happy. Now, I don't really care for summer. I like winter in Southern California. But you know, I know I've lived in the Northeast, so I know what the summer is like versus winter. But you know, you still can enjoy many of your favorite summertime activities. You know, still got some days left. Okay, I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining us here today. And if you can find a minute to subscribe to InvestTalk Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or uh, Spotify, I'd appreciate it. It would help us raise the vis- visibility of the program, and that's what we're trying to do. All you have to do is subscribe, rate, and review, and I'd appreciate it. Well, there is certainly plenty of financial news out today, but the big headline story is the. In- the incredible long run of the bull market. By some measurements, it's the longest. And that is going to be the subject of my main talking point today. But I also want to help you determine when and if your financial situation has reached a point where you should enlist the aid of a financial advisor. We're going to talk about that, talk about the indicators coming up. But first, let's make uh, let's make you a part of the show. As you know, you are the major part of our show. Here comes a question a, a caller left on our anytime listener line number eight 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 ninety nine. Chart.
2: Um, I had a question about IPOs. Is it a good practice to at least put maybe I don't know one percent or two percent of your money into an IPO, or do you guys are against that altogether?
1: I would say no. And this is why you're not going to get an IPO at the IPO price. You're not. If you do, that means it's not a very good IPO. Try try to understand how they work. IPO is initial public offering. That's where a company becomes a a private company becomes a public company for the first time. Initial public offering, and they will come out with an IPO price of they establish a price of twenty two dollars. They establish that price, but the first trade of that stock. Is the what is established by the public, not not the IPO price? They just give out a price they think will be good, and you may be maybe twenty-two dollars, but the first trade could be thirty, and you, the individual, are not going to get an IPO at the IPO price unless it's a bad IPO or no one and the institutions don't want it. Think about it. An IPO comes out. They're issuing a, a bank is the one that takes these companies public, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, somebody, and they establish a pri- IPO price, and they gotta sell you know 10 million shares right away. They think they, you think they're gonna call up all their individual clients, you know, all the individuals, and say, hey, would you like to buy a thousand shares? Hey, you want to buy ten thousand shares? No, they're gonna call the institutions that they know, like Vanguard or. Uh, California CalPERS or somebody they know that has millions and millions, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars to invest and say, hey, would you? How, how would you like to buy 10,000 shares or a million shares? They want to make as few calls as possible to sell those shares at the IPO price. So you don't get it. So you don't buy it. If you got it at the IPO price, that means it's probably the first trade is going to be below the IPO price because They couldn't sell it to all their institutionals because the institution said, no, that's too high. I don't want it. So, no, it's not a good idea for you to go out and buy IPOs. No, wait six months or longer before you consider a new company. Okay? It can make sense sometimes for people to have a do-it-yourself approach to managing their financial picture. I understand that. However, at some point, it is best to work with a professional advisor. Okay, full disclosure here, I'm a financial advisor. So I obviously believe that many people need this type of service. But today I want to simply present the lifestyle event markers, lifestyle event markers that can help you predict, help predict any person's need for professional and experienced advice. Once you know the score, you can make your decisions. And by the way, I found this article on USNews.com. So this is an article I'm referring to. So what are the signs or markers that you should probably seek advice of a financial advisor? Do you want to know what they are? Well, one of them is a major life event change. If you're in your life, did you have a major life event change? Example, getting married, retiring, having a child. So you want to make money adjustments necessary to navigate this new phase of your life. I also add planning for retirement. You know, a financial professional can help you greatly for that plan. They, will, they can line out the, the, your ability to reach the goals that you're going to have to set. They can help you set those goals, those retirement goals. you got to have enough money to live comfortably. Well, how comfortably do you want to live in retirement? So you got to plan it. Or maybe you don't have a, a legacy plan in place. Maybe you have assets and you don't have your trust or will. And you need help with that. Now, most money managers, such as myself, don't write these documents, but we certainly can help you point you in the right direction. Or maybe you receive a windfall of some kind, retirement amount. For instance, my nephew, he signed a very large contract to go into professional football. He knows nothing about money. He's 22, 21, 22 now. He doesn't know anything, so he needs help. That's the kind of thing. You, If you get a windfall like that, don't. most people squander it, and it's gone in a few years. It's just gone. Because they don't know how to manage it. They get too excited about it. And they just spend it. Now, do you have a specific goal in mind? Okay, like, let's say you want to retire at 50. Do you have, and you want to have $2 million squirreled away. And you want to travel the world in, in your golden years. Well, a financial advisor, especially one who takes the time to know you and understand your wants and capabilities, can help you work toward those goals. Maybe $2 million is not enough to do that. Those are the kinds of things that you might need a manager for. Well, that is in a condensed primer on when to contact a financial advisor, when you might need one. Each person's situation is, of course, different. And when you're ready, I encourage you to get in touch with me or Justin Klein. We specialize in unbiased and personalized consultations. We can help you grow and protect your portfolio. We want to help you. Contact us. You can contact us by phone at our Data Point office in California or get a message to us through investtalk.com. It's pretty simple. Send me an email or give me a call. It's easy. I'm Steve Peasley, and we've got lots to discuss today. The phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. So, today's featured talking point concerns the S&P 500 has posted a gain of nearly 325% since March of 2009. That was the very bottom of the market, March 9th, matter fact. March 9th of 2009. And some experts believe that the long-run bull market has room to keep going. Now, is that true? I'll look into it on today's program. Some of the other topics I want to talk about. Let's talk about beware of conventional wisdom when planning your retirement. Okay, and how about retailers? I want to talk about retailers. Did you see what Target did today? And did you see what Walmart did last week? Why all of a sudden they're they doing so well? What are some of the reasons? And is that is that gonna be able are they gonna be able to continue that? And what about some of the issues in retirement? Not just, you know, I want to of millions of dollars, and therefore, and that, how do I get there? There's other issues that we you really need to think about before that. And I and I also want to maybe flesh out the longest bull market in history point uh, and take a different look at it. Then I'm going to take two different looks at this. One one's going to be Maybe we're not there. Maybe, you know, this longest bull market is not really there yet. Because who's to say it is one? And when did the bull market start? And who's to say that it didn't have a big enough dip in between there to restart it? Anyways, we're going to talk about all those things. But, of course, what's on your mind is most important to us. The market was mixed today. The Dow was down 89. The Nasdaq was up. 30. Dow was down 89, and the NASDAQ was up 30, and the S&P, the broader index of the three, was down 1. So it was a little weak, mixed, but a little weak today. Uh, now, on August 29th, I will be meeting my appointment with a group of Invest Talk listeners in San Jose and a, and a client or two, and there's no more spaces available for that date. But Justin and I can still schedule a Skype consultation or introductory phone call with you. Reach out through investtalk.com. I will be setting up another date. Almost every month I'm up in the San Jose Bay Area. But now the lines are open. 888-99-CHART.
2: Thanks for listening to Invest Talk. August is fading fast and the Labor Day holiday will soon be here. Question Have you subscribed to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play? Please do. Then listen, rate, and review. This helps us improve our Invest Talk programming. And now, Steve is here and he's taking your calls live 888 99 chart. Okay, the bull market's on the cusp
1: of becoming the longest in history for stocks. Has room to run? does it really have room to run. Now, what are why? Why would why would we think it continue to go? There are a number of reasons. I mean, think about what's going on. We have a very strong underlying economic situation here in the United States. Our underlying economy is very good. Government is still spending. A lot of money, right? Think about the budgets, and budget problems, and corporations are earning tons, tons of money. They, 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 you know, they, they, uh, they beat almost all. They, they beat expectations more than normal this earning season. Now, remember, they always beat expectations, but this was much more than normal. And then you add to that the tax cut. For individuals and corporations, and now remember that puts money in the consumer's pocket, and that's what our economy is driven by—the consumer. So you can easily argue that, and and, and if you look at the stock market, it hasn't really done much this year. It, it you know you had that big correction in February, big meaning you know 11 percent in February, and we're just now recovering from that. Here we are, late what August twenty second. February to August 22nd, the market really hasn't done anything. So, you know, it's been a pretty tough month, but since it hasn't really done anything in those, what, six months, we have corporate earnings breaking records, coming in 20% year over year higher. So, therefore, that drives the P-E ratio down because the price of the stocks haven't really risen, but the earnings have. That's very positive for stocks. So, yeah, it could you could easily argue that there's more room to run on the upside. Easily argue. I could easily argue that side. On the other hand, I could easily argue the other side, which I am going to before the end of the show. I'm going to argue the other side as well. So that's the bull market look. And really, if you think about it, the market corrected almost... What is what is a correction versus a bear market? I really want to get into that because you know there's confusion about that and justifiably confusion about that. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and you may have noticed that we get plenty of specific stock questions on the program each day, and that's fine. But I can also help promote the understanding of various investing definitions, strategies, explain market processes. So get your questions together all types of questions. 888-99-CHARGED.
2: If there is ever a moment when you question how well your portfolio is doing, or maybe it should be doing, It might be smart to make time to look into the various investment strategy programs available to clients of KPP Financial. It's easy. Click on the investment programs link at investtalk.com. And now we're taking your financial and investment questions live. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Justin and Steve, this is Raul from uh, Flower Mound uh, calling with regards to land L-A-N-D. L-A-N-D is the symbol. Uh, Gladstone Limited Core. They are a REIT, a farmland REIT uh, that uh, are heavily invested in um, California farms, strawberry, blueberry. Wanting to get your opinion. Uh, looks like it's had a sell-off and uh, wondering if this was a buying opportunity. The uh, dividend yield looks good uh, and was wondering what you thought of it. Thank you.
1: Well, hell, it Start off at the very end or the very beginning of August, and it's been recovering ever since then. I mean, it went down to $11 and what, 50 cents or so, and today's at 13.23, which is a pretty big move, you know, percentage-wise. And now it's nearing the tops that it was at before in the beginning of the year. So this is right at the near the top. This is Glassstone Land Corporation, L-A-N-D. It's a REIT that owns 74 farms, leased to 52 separate corporate and independent farmer tenants in Arizona, California, Florida, Michigan, and uh, I think that's it. Anyways, uh, it acquired five farms in southern uh, Southern Florida uh, just uh, last month for $37 million. It is a $212 million company, so it's very, very small. It's a micro cap, and that's usually a pretty risky place. So you've got to be aware that you're taking a lot of risk on this. They're going to make. They made 56 cents a share in 2016, 2017, and they're going to make 55 cents this year and 62 cents next year, a share. And they got to pay 90 percent of those earnings out in the form of a dividend. They have to pay that to qualify to be a REIT. Okay. So what is that? What percentage is that uh, of, of the company? So we're, we're talking about 4% or so, and that's what their yield is currently, about 4%. So it's not, the, the great thing that I like about the stock is sales are increasing pretty rapidly, strongly, you know, 50%, 60%, and it's been going up in the last, you know, three or four quarters. So that's a good thing, but it is a very small company. That means volatility will be high be very high uh, so you want to be very careful here um, and it, I think it was a good buy around, around 1150 to 1175 I'm not so sure now at 1323 I don't know if I would chase it at this mark because it's right near its old high and unless it breaks through I probably wouldn't chase it and it's not that cheap $13 i we gonna make 62 cents so you know you're talking about a PE ratio of uh, 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 21, twenty-one, twenty-two. It's okay, I guess. I mean, but it seems high to me. L A N D is a symbol, everybody. L A N D. Okay. Um. I want you to beware of conventional wisdom. What's conventional wisdom, and when it comes to retirement planning for retirement? One of the conventional wisdom is, oh, you take four to five percent of your nest egg, and that's what you can live on. Now, that has been around a long time. Some people, some professionals think that's low. Low. Some think you should take more than that. As the conventional wisdom is you should get more conservative as you get older, therefore buying more bonds. That may be wrong, too, because interest rates are rising, and when that happens, bond values goes down. Now, I, I bonds is a great way to diversify away from the stock market and the risks associated with the stock market. But historically their returns are fairly low compared to the stock market. Some people think that since we are all living a lot longer that we have to stay more invested in the market longer. I'm not sure I subscribe to that. I think instead of of just bowing to conventional wisdom one way or another, I think it's all individual. I think it depends on the person. I've been talking to so many people over the years that some people are perfectly comfortable with taking the risk and some people are no way comfortable taking any kind of risk in the stock market. So it really depends on the person. You know, I can give advice as to what I think is best based on an individual situation. But I don't think you should just use a cookie cutter formula and plug it in and there you go. I'm just concerned about that because it doesn't usually fit everybody. You know, it doesn't. Yeah, there's a lot, of, lot that it does fit. I don't want to dismiss it either. But, you know, I still think you look at everybody individually and decide. And you can... You can help them. As a money manager, I help them by asking questions. And if you don't know the right questions to ask yourself, just ask somebody. You know, someone like me would do it for free. We don't mind. We don't. We know that we're going to give a lot of free advice out there. And sometimes people will turn into clients and sometimes they won't. That's okay. That's okay. If you feel pressure or if someone's trying to pressure you to buy something, run the other way. Don't walk. Run the other way. Because they're making commissions and that they're driven by those commissions. Don't do you don't want to talk to somebody like that. Okay? Tomorrow Invest Talk in a crowded $50 billion file sharing market. Dropbox is facing off against Microsoft, Apple, and Google. But Dropbox has a competitive advantage. That story tomorrow, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions now. 888 99 chart.
0: Our podcast continues next. The process of investing is more than just picking stocks. Investing begins with savings, of course, and along the way, there are issues about taxes and then estate planning and on and on. KPP financial clients have a ready resource of information about any and all of these personal financial matters. All they need to do is ask. Managing your money gets more complex every day, And there are more options than the average person could possibly comprehend. And when we're confronted with too many choices, research shows that people put off decisions, important decisions. Most times, that's not productive. KPP Financial's philosophy is the more their clients know, the more successful they'll be, and the more predictable their future will be. KPP Financial, serving the average investor, helping them find solutions. Now, let's continue with the podcast.
2: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. Invest Talk is streamed live and broadcast live each weekday in the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time, 6 Central and 7 Eastern. It's also available 24-7 via archived podcast at investtalk.com. Would you like to speak with Steve right now? He's here, and the lines are open, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's
1: talk to John in San Jose. How are you, John?
2: Fabulous. Long-time listener. Love your show. Wanted to see what you. you thought about CLF. CLF.
1: Okay, uh, CLF.
2: That yeah, is Cleveland Cliff. Yeah, I've been uh, it for some time. It's starting to do a. Uh, looks like it's getting a little power behind it with the dollar going down. They're an iron ore company, and they need iron to make steel.
1: Yeah, they're a producer CLF. of iron ore pellets. Yeah, with uh, four iron ore mines in uh, Michigan right. and Minnesota. So. Yeah, it is a $2.9 billion company, and you say you've shorted the company. It has erratic sales, growth, and shrinkage every quarter. I mean, the most recent quarter, sales growth are up 52%, and that's why it popped from $8.50 to $11 in just two or three days. But the quarter before that, the sales fell 37%, so it's kind of erratic. Right. It looks like it has has a history of erratic. going to make $0.66 cents next year. That's down from 83 cents this year. The estimate. These are the estimates, okay? So, yeah, it looks like it may have topped here at about 11 bucks, and now today's at 10.02, and that topped what? Right at the uh, right at the uh, end of July. Uh,
2: right. Yeah, I, I'm a day, tough day one trader, to so I've been going long and short. And um, mm-hmm. it, it, on the weekly, it's going down, but it's, it looks like it's getting a little bit of, it's trying to break out again. I don't think it'll do it, but I wanted to see what you thought.
1: Yeah, I think if it's I again. think it's going to fail. Yeah, I think it'll fail at the breakout uh, uh, because of the erraticness of the earnings and, go- and sales and earnings are going to go down next year, about 30%. What I thought. At least that's the estimate. So I, I think it's going to have a struggle. I don't think, I think you've seen the top, at least in the next, you know, for probably this cycle and the economic cycles, this cycle. I think it's topped already. Um, but I don't like shorting stocks. It's still making money. That's, that's your problem. And it's, a, and it's a small price stock at $10.02. So it's a tough one to short because it's going to be erratic. Uh, but I, I think if you're going sh- to I I feel more comfortable shorting it at this stage than being long that's for sure
0: and oh, yeah, John I appreciate the like call thank good. you
1: thank you and everybody else mean, shorting means he thinks it's going to go down and he's betting that it will and he'll make money if it does and I can give you the definition if you want more just send me an email and I'll give you the entire definition or you can go to investopedia.com and look up selling stocks short 888-99-CHART. So, is this the longest bull market as we talked about at the opening of the show? Well, what is a bull market versus a bear market? What are the definitions? And so, we're crystal clear here. There's no official body that tells you this is a bear market and there's a bull market. The rule of thumb that everybody goes by, but, you know, <laughs> it's not set in stone, is that a correction is anywhere from... Less than 20% fall in the major indexes. A correction. A bull market is measured from the bottom of the correction going up. When does it decide that it's now in a bull market? Probably once it breaks the most recent high. Okay, so let's take a let's go to real life. The high was in. Uh, what, late January, early February. Uh, That was the high in the market. Then it had a almost a 10%, almost exactly 10% correction down. And so all this time, we've been trying to fight to get back to that, above that area. So have we been in a bull market? Not for six months or so because we've been dealing with this correction. But long-term, bull markets, remember lasts until there's more than a 20% correction. After 20%, you're now, quote, unquote, in a bear market. And they say this is the longest bull market as of today in history. Well, there was a 19.9% correction in the major index, S&P 500, I think it was 2011. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So it could be argued that we, we're, have, we're not in the longest bull market. Because you could say that maybe that was a bear market. Well, because 20%, that 20% rule is just what we think it could be. Maybe that's not a good enough rule. What if the S&P 500 fell 19.9, but the Dow fell 25%? Is that Now a bear market? Bear market on the Dow. See, so there's no real clear-cut way. Now, also I wanted to mention, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, the underlying factors that tells you that we are probably still going to be in a bull market. Uh, The economy, government spending, robust corporate earnings, tax cuts. But what about the cons? That was the pros, but what are the cons? What are the reasons for maybe we won't be Going to be moving higher in the market. And those would be the tariffs, okay, that are out there. Uh, global economy is slowing down. Not us, but the rest of the world is. A flattening yield curve. And historically, when the yield curve inverts, the economy is in recession. Well, first you've got to have a flattening aerial curve before it can start turning to inversion and how about inflation the fear of inflation where the fed is raising rates constantly raising rates because of fear of inflation so those are very good reasons not to continue this bull market so which 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 reasons are better <laughs> and i wish that, you know my crystal ball is pretty fuzzy so no one can really tell you my gut feeling is we might be in for some pretty volatile times, but by the year end, I think we're going to be above our old highs made in January. That's what I think by year end. New investors who invest off may not realize that KPP Financial has been producing this program for more than 20 years. And Justin and I are glad to continue making this investment because it makes us reliable, a go-to source for investors. We also know that some of you will recognize that our training experience can be brought to your table, your table, to you specifically, to help you maximize earnings and put together some portfolio programs that maybe serve you best. So it's a win-win situation for everybody. And you can listen for free. You can submit questions anytime you want, and you can register for the no-cost portfolio reviews. We do this for you. Feel free to call our Dana Point office anytime set up an appointment be happy to be with you but now we are taking your questions live at 888 99 chart
2: Steve Peasley's August 29th portfolio review appointments calendar for San Jose is now filled so thank you invest listeners however if you are not able to meet with Steve in San Jose and you're serious about improving the efficiency security and performance of your portfolio You are welcome to contact Steve or Justin at their Dana Point, California office. And, of course, you can easily get a message to them through the Contact Us page at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve's here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-992-4278. John, by the way, also from San Jose, he also wanted to know about XLF which is the Exchange Traded Fund Seeking Performance Corresponding to the S&P Financial Sector Index, financials, banks. Okay, so and usually they're made up of a bunch of big banks, this XLF, so that index. So the question is, are the banks, big banks, going to do well going forward? Well, they are about 10% below their old high, which they made in uh, right at the end of January. With the market, they're still about ten percent below that XLF, which is a little bit worse than the overall market. Below, you know, like I think the Dow is three percent below its old high. So uh, the question: Are you is are they going to make another run up? I think it's possible. I think it's probable that yeah they'll run up into the end of the year and the beginning of next year. I am more worried about late next year or the year after. And I'm, I'm just, I, I like to, I study the economic cycles. And then, of course, you know the stock market cycle is attached to the economic cycle, but it's not, it's not exactly attached. In other words, when the economy is peaking, the stock market will start to roll over first before the economy does. And likewise, the stock market will start to regain before the stock market, start to go up before the economy goes up. All you have to do is go look back at 2008, that, that recession, take a look at where the recession started and where it ended, and look at the stock market, what it did do. Yeah, and you'll find that that's true. The stock market looks forward. It usually is pretty accurate when it comes to the economic cycle. It's not always true, but it's true a great deal of time, majority of the time. OK? Okay, what do you need in retirement? What are some of the issues in retirement that you need to think about and decide? And number one issue, I think, is your lifestyle. You want to maintain your lifestyle in retirement. So what is that going to take? Where is the money going to come from to maintain that lifestyle? Okay? And Social Security, just so you know, was designed to replace only about 40% of your income. Did you know that? It wasn't designed to give be a retirement fund. It was designed to supplement your retirement amount. So you need to understand that that's what it will give you and nothing more. And as you approach retirement, have you have you put together your estate plan? And if you have a small estate plan, at least do you have a will at the very minimum? Do you have a will? I mean, if you don't have it when you're approaching retirement, when are you going to get it? Day after you die? That's not going to be well worth anything. Trust me, you want to have a will. If you want your money to go specifically to to you know family and loved ones, you need to spell that out in a will. And whether you need a trust or not, that you know that's up in the air. You have to talk to somebody like me to discuss that and find out whether you need one or not. And one thing you need to think about before you retire is what are you going to do with all your time? You think you're going to sit and watch TV? You think you're going to golf every day? <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen. What are you going to do to make your, keep your time uh, to do with your time, make it fulfilling for you? Whatever that is. You know, it could be going to work. It could be not going to work. I'm not suggesting any. Uh, that specific plan of action, I'm su- suggesting that you need to have a plan of action of what you're going to do. you got to think about these things before retirement, people, not while you're in it. It's kind of hard. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's get to another caller who took time to leave their question on our anytime list line. 888-99-CHART.
0: Hey, guys, big fan of the show, Ben from Pearl River, New York. So I have a question uh, about IRR. I believe it usually stands for Internal Rate of Return. I guess I hear it bandied about a lot, even um, with regards to a couple investments I made myself in real estate. And I don't really know that I exactly understand what it refers to. So uh, just if you could discuss IRR
2: and
1: uh, educate us all. Thanks a lot this is the podcast. Bye. Okay. Uh, IRR. Um, internal rate of return is what it means. Internal rate of return. And as I always said, you know, the dictionary is a great place. The Investopedia is a great place to go when you're looking for a term. Um, so IRR, internal rate of return, I'm actually looking that up right now. Uh, Okay, of course it won't come up when I'm asking for it, right? I mean, of course. (laughs) I love that. So let me type this in here. Come on. Okay, I'm, I'm going to try to get that information for you. I'm going to go to a live caller, and I'll get back to you on IRR. Uh, let's go to Nick and Hayward. How are you doing, Nick? You want to talk about Facebook?
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nice show. Thank you very much. Yeah, I want to buy uh, a few, but I'm thinking this may be a good price to add on a little bit more. What do you think?
1: Well, I, I, you know, it looks are we're, we're really close to the top, of what we were at January when everything was peaking. Uh, the Dow is like 3% below. The, the S&P 500 is like right there. I mean, not even a percent off. <coughs> I would want you to, if, before you really wanted to put new money to work, even though I bought things here in recent weeks, uh. I, it would be probably better to wait for us to break through that or pull back a little bit because we're right there. And I don't think you should necessarily be in a really uh, a hurry to get into the market right now. But if you find a great deal, like I've seen some, there's a couple of stocks that we just couldn't pass up because they just look too good. Either the dividends were too high to pass up or it, they just look like good deals. I, I would buy them. I, I would. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, you know, not buy them just because the market's right there at the top. But from a technical point of view, you want to wait for a breakout above this where you are or a pullback and then another retest moving back up and buy. So that's what I would probably suggest. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. On Wednesday, Bestop program is almost finished and ready for your upload. Ready to upload to your archives the show on podcast. You, you, know, you can listen to it anytime you want to with the podcast. And we cut out all the commercials too. But we've still got about 10 minutes left, so let's talk about the financial investing questions you've got on your mind. 888 99 Show.
2: On the next Invest Talk, in a crowded $50 billion file sharing market, Dropbox is facing off against Microsoft, Apple, and Google. But Dropbox has a competitive advantage. That story tomorrow. But now, Steve's here, he's ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART.
0: Hi, I know you folks don't usually get calls about mutual funds, but I had a questions about a recommendation on N-D-B-A-X, that's November Delta Victor Alpha X-Ray. Just kind of wondering what are some of the strengths and weaknesses, is there anything that I'm missing? As I'm looking at this, thanks so much. Appreciate your program, and uh, have a great day.
1: Actually, NDVAX is a mutual fund. I actually like it. It's the new uh, MFS New Discovery Value Fund. It's a five-star fund. The thing I don't like about it is, is it's an A share, meaning you have to pay five percent, five point seven five percent commission. I would not buy it simply because of that. Even though the fund's very highly rated and very good. You're going to have to pay, if you put $100,000 into this fund, you're going to have to pay $5,750 in commissions just to buy it. That means you're at $94,250 before you even get started. So I don't like it for that. But the fund itself has very good returns in relationship to the risk that it takes. It's a very good fund. So it might be worth that commission. I just don't like to pay those kinds of commissions. I wanted to get back to internal rate of return. You know, it's a pretty complex uh, thing to understand. I'm going to try to make, uh, for instance, I'll give you the official definition. Internal rate of return is a metric used in capital budgeting to estimate the profitability of potential investment. Internal rate of return is a discount rate that makes the net present value of all cash flows from the prospective investment to zero so that you can calculate what the return is of the investment from zero going forward and it internal rate of return means that it you don't take in consideration outside factors what are those outside factors inflation is one uh uh, you, you know, there's different things that you have to consider. I don't want to know that. It's also referred to as the economic rate of return or the discounted cash flow rate of return. Uh, but internal means, try to think of it this way. what, How much money can this company make? Okay, how much money does this company make? What is my return on my invested dollar in this company? And you would say, well, it depends on how the stock price goes up. Well, that's not how a corporation looks at it. You know uh, we, we look at a different way. It, what is the rate, of the return of the of how efficient is the company putting the money to work? You know what is the actual return that I'm getting? So it's, it's a pretty complex uh, uh, f- item for the average person to try to get into. And a lot of times, I I, do, I, rely, I rely on rely on internal rate of return from some software that I use. You know, I don't calculate it myself. It's pretty hard to calculate. So, that's what IRR, internal rate of return. It is a very important part of uh, you investigating a, a, a possible investment, but it's just one of many factors. Everybody. Okay, let's talk about Target today, and maybe and then I want to throw in Walmart. Target reported earnings today. And the stock did, had a very good day. Why? Well, the traffic growth in the stores is up 6.4%. Same stores sales were up 6.5%. Total revenue for total Target was up 7%. Now, if you remember right, Walmart, which was a week or two ago, reported the same kind of numbers. Our same store sales were up 4.5%. Now, for for Target, that's a 13-year high, and for Walmart, that's a 10-year high. So why are these stores doing so well? Well, it might help that uh, you know some of the competitors are going away, like uh, um, um, the toy store that went bankrupt. You know, it helps that they're driven to these customers. But it also helps that Target and Walmart are figuring out how to attract clients into their store to shop as opposed to shopping online. At the same time, both Target and Walmart are working on their online presence, and their online presence is growing very fast. So Amazon is not gonna be the only retailer out there. These people are gonna be there too, Walmart and Target. And they've had very good numbers. Of course, it helps the economy strong too, but yeah. Okay, that completes another worthwhile investment program driven by, your questions. Remember, if you want to replay any or all of today's program, you can do so on demand from the podcast page on investtalk.com. It is free. It's waiting there for you. Thanks for listening, everybody. And please come back tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley and have a great night.